You're listening to the Hello Awesome Podcast, and this is episode number 77. Hey everyone, JC here. Welcome to the third episode of season four and the third episode of our Testify series. It has been an adventure so far for sure. I have been incredibly blessed seeing all of your posts on social media, talking about the episodes and how you have been just so touched by these stories. God is doing a great work and it's a privilege to be just a small part of his bigger plan. Now on the podcast today is Camber Robertson, a content creator who grew up obese and found herself in a battle with beauty. If you are a lady, then you know the natural struggles we go through when it comes to our image and self-worth. But today, Camber shares the darker side of that struggle when her obsession with weight loss throws her into an eating disorder that lasts more than a decade. Normally, I advise that young children should not be present when you are listening to this series, but if you have a young daughter, niece, any young girl in your life, you might want to consider listening to this episode alongside them. This conversation with Camber could be the opportunity you need to open a door to speak about the dangers of eating disorders and how our worth is found in Jesus. Pray about it and, of course, seek permission from the child's parents if that is not your role. I just wanted to put that out there because starting hard conversations with the next generation creates a bond of trust and can impact the choices they make in life later on down the road. All right, my friend, be blessed by this incredible story of restoration and healing today. This is episode number 77 that I am calling Restored Beauty with Camber Robertson. Hey guys, I'm JC. Are you ready for real conversations about faith, business, and life? Me too. This is the Hello Awesome podcast where I bring forth topics and truthful insights that will encourage you to make intentional choices and pursue God with your whole heart. Are you ready to say hello to the awesome blessings that God has for you? All right, let's do this. Just a quick note about this new series called Testify. It does contain adult content and will not be suitable for young children. So if you have young children around, I suggest that you listen to this on some headphones, on some earbuds, so that their little ears can stay pure and can stay innocent. Thank you for understanding. Summer is upon us and what better way to celebrate than with some sweet deals. I have an amazing group of business ladies who have sponsored the podcast and they have a treat just for Hello Awesome listeners. My friend Chantel, a two-time podcast guest, runs the very successful modest fashion clothing brand, Nuggles. Aiming to always provide beautiful, comfortable, and affordable apparel, Nuggles desires every lady to embrace modesty with style. You don't have to break the bank or sacrifice that morning latte when you shop with Nuggles. In fact, Hello Awesome listeners can use the exclusive 10% off discount code by using Hello Awesome 10 during checkout. Head to nuggles.us to browse their full collection today. Again, that's N-U-G-G-L-E-S dot U-S to shop high quality products to add to your modest wardrobe right now. Do you find yourself struggling to find a durable scrunchie that's both functional and cute? Seriously, look no further than So Vita. Guys, I am not lying when I say that I use Lucy's scrunchies every single day and my hair reaches behind my knees. So Vita is a handmade shop with beautiful and fun scrunchies, headbands, and more. Use coupon code PODCAST for 10% off your order right now at SoVita.com. That's S-E-W-V-I-D-A.com. Go grab a few goodies this summer and keep your hair off your neck with style. Be sure to also follow Lucy on Instagram at Sovita. Are you looking for classic modest pieces for your summer wardrobe? My girl Mandy over at Blue Thistle Taylor has timeless dresses, skirts, and handbags. Last year, it was such a treat to meet Mandy during general conference in Indiana, and I truly feel like we're soul sisters. I love her passion for simplistic modesty, and you will too. Just use our special code HelloAwesome for 20% off your order on BlueThistleTaylor.com. That's B-L-U-T-H-I-S 
T L E T A I L L U E R dot com. Also, give her a follow on Instagram at Blue Thistle Taylor. I don't know about you, but I struggle to find quality skincare products with simple ingredients that don't irritate my skin, especially in these hot summer months. Well, Rachel over at Oneness Essentials makes handmade soap and body products that not only look and smell beautiful, but they're perfect for sensitive skin like mine. I seriously can't wait to try her cocoa cream lotion. It sounds like it smells amazing. Use code HelloAwesome for 15% off your order when you shop at onenesssoapbiz.com. That's O-N-E-N-E-S-S-S-O-A-P biz.com make sure to also follow oneness soap biz on instagram for gorgeous product photos and updated business info so when i think of summer i think of hanging out by the shore and strolling along little shops browsing at the adorable clothing that i just can't afford can you relate well you don't have to worry about that with dress like an angel felicia is a pastor's wife and mama of two beautiful daughters who has been selling clothing for 30 years now. Wow, this woman of God is the ultimate mama boss. Felicia's shop, Dressed Like an Angel, features stunning dresses, skirts, extenders, layered tops, and so much more in a variety of styles while highlighting the beauty of modesty. She even carries items for young girls like her best-selling lace tights. If you live near Starks, Louisiana, stop by their brick and mortar store that's filled with adorable, gorgeous clothing. Or use our exclusive discount code HelloAwesome for 10% off your order at dresslikeanangel.com. Keep up with their huge inventory selection and future sales by following Dress Like an Angel on Instagram. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I hope you are enjoying this series. And I really cannot wait to talk to my next guest with you here. This is just so amazing that we are talking about powerful testimonies because it's just so important for us to really give God the glory in everything. And a really powerful testimony just shines a light on who God is. And and none of us are too far gone. He will reach anyone and he will do anything to make sure a soul is saved. So. Thank you, Camber, for being on the podcast with me. I'm so thankful that you took time to be here. And I really want you to just share a little bit about who you are and what you do. Well, first of all, JC, thank you for having me on. It's definitely um, an honor, and I'm absolutely glad to do it. Um, Like she said, I'm Camber Robertson. I'm from uh, Hammond, Louisiana. Um, And for work, I work for a media company. Uh, where I do a lot of content creation, so a lot of writing, behind the scenes for making videos, um, a lot of recipes, things like that. So I have a neat job, but yeah, that's pretty much what I do, who I am. I love that you do that because it's pretty much what I do too, but it's just different. You're kind of behind the scenes helping somebody else. And then I'm over here like, I wish I had an assistant like Camber. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I'm sort of the assistant. So I I help make those things happen. Um, And I I honestly, right now, I prefer that spot. I don't want to be in the spotlight or the one in the camera. I am totally happy the one being behind the camera and making sure X, Y, and Z gets done. Yeah. Well, and a podcast is perfect for that. But yeah, So we definitely um, were having some back and forth conversations on Instagram before we decided to, you know, move forward. I wanted to just know more about you. And obviously, I wanted you to be comfortable sharing your story because it's just so difficult to do that. Even if we are past something, it's just very difficult sometimes to be that vulnerable. So we had talked on the phone a while back, and I really want to set the stage for everybody listening. Can you just share with us? what your upbringing looked like and your relationship with church. Okay. So I was raised in church. I think when I was three years old, my mom got back into church and from there she was faithful all, you know, just a perfect 
I don't want, I'm careful to say the word perfect, but she was a very loving, wonderful example of a godly, Holy Ghost filled woman. Um, and my uh, stepdad, he was an incredible dad. Um, I grew up in a very loving home. Um, I had a happy childhood. I was a confident kid. Um, and I was just being raised in that household and that atmosphere. I truly, from a very young age, I had this sort of fascination with God and church. And I was filled with the Holy Ghost at eight years of age. And I was very serious about it. Like looking back compared to like a lot of kids, I was very, very serious about, you know, my relationship with God and and church. Um, But yeah, that's, that was the, you know, extent of my childhood. I was pretty happy. Although there was, I was um, obese as a child. That was like the one difference thing that I, I kind of felt set apart. No one in my family was, but for whatever reason, I was obese as a kid. I, I really didn't eat anymore, and I I moved around a lot, but you know I had that one issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I can't even imagine as a child uh, having that, you know, kind of just be who you are, and then looking around not seeing people in your family kind of representing yes. that for you. Yes. So, how old were you when things started changing more? in a negative way, because obviously it sounds like, it sounds like the home that, that many of us who are apostolic parents trying, it it sounds like a home that we are trying to give our children very loving and, and very spirit filled home. So how old were you when things for you personally started to change? So I was at the vulnerable age of 13 when I experienced a very traumatic experience, you know, as a 13 year old kid, um, it completely tore up my home, um, my family and really pulled the carpet from beneath my feet. Um, I began to question God and, you know, everything that I had known, like that was stable. It was just, it was like powder, like every, my whole world, my stability had just like crumbled beneath me. And I had to really grow up, um, overnight with that. Um, and it was hard to see my mom go through things and just, it it was definitely a a pivoting experience. I I've never been the same, obviously. Um, and I can say it, it has made me who I am today, but it also influenced a lot of the decisions I would later make. Yeah. And at that age, you're already vulnerable anyway, because everything is changing for you physically, mentally, emotionally. There's a lot of things already happening that when something traumatic happens that you can't control, it will do something to you for sure. Absolutely. And I remember something like that happened to me too when I was a young child and you, you do start questioning things. You start questioning your own identity. You start questioning God. I mean, if you're real, how come bad things are happening? There's a lot of things that as a child are, I mean, very normal questions to have, uh, but that doesn't make it less difficult. I think oftentimes God gets blamed for things that are, he, you know, he did not do Mm -hmm. Um, because a lot of people ask that, you know, if, if God was real, then why is this happening to me? And it's not God. And it says in John 10, 10, the thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. And I come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So that's something that I, I've learned, I didn't know back then, but now I know that sometimes the things that happen, it, God's not in that. That is Satan. Yeah, and I think that's very important to remember because when something bad happens, we want to blame someone because it makes us feel better somehow. Oh, yeah. And maybe we're trying to justify things, but like you said, not everything that happens is something that God did. A lot of the times it's because we are humans and we have free will and we make poor choices. And then yeah. because we make poor choices, it affects the people in our lives. Right. But that doesn't you mean could. God put it on us. 
yes, you, you literally could not have said it better. Like that's, that's the, um, that's sort of the price of a free will is Mm -hmm. your decisions will ultimately affect those around you, good or bad. Right. For sure. Now I know you started really having a difficult relationship with food, you know, around this age, correct? Yes. Um, so to back up a little bit, I mentioned that I grew, grew up and I was obese as a child. And I'm not talking about like a little bit chunky. I'm talking about straight up. I went to the doctor. I had high blood pressure, high cholesterol, and mm-hmm. I was I was obese. I was about, I was four foot eight and I was, it, it just wasn't, it wasn't healthy. Like I remember um, walking uphill with my dad, my stepmother, and my brother. And they were so far above me. And I was like lagging behind, huffing, puffing, and didn't, I like, I thought I'd have to sit down. And I remember thinking like, okay, this is wrong. This is totally wrong. Mm. Um, I'm a kid. I should be outrunning them. Um, so I, at that, I was around, I think I was around like 11 or, or something, 11 or 10. So I wanted to lose weight. And this is like a very touchy issue with kids and parents, you know, cause sometimes mm-hmm. kids outgrow it, but I, I knew that it wasn't healthy and I wanted to lose weight. So I, I did so, but with the help of my, my father, my stepdad and my mother, they all like, you know, watched out for me. They made sure I was eating enough. It was a very healthy process. And I eventually, I did lose. I lost about 40 pounds, um, which was the right amount of weight that I need. I was 40 pounds overweight as a kid. Um, But I was, you know, eating, you know, healthy foods. I started eating more vegetables um, and exercising and moving. And I did lose the weight. And my mother also during that time, she had an idea that it was something with my thyroid, which from blood work now, I think she was correct. But she started praying, God, you know, please touch my child. Don't let her live with this. Touch her thyroid. Mm -hmm. Um, So I did lose the weight. um, And I was pretty much healthy. But when all of this, you know, chaos went and my family just broke apart, I began to control food because it was the one thing I was really good at doing was like food and, and losing weight. I was like, you know, I'm, I'm good enough to lose 40 pounds. Um, and it just, I don't, it became a thing that I could control. Like everything else in my life was sort of out of my control, but except for food, that was the one thing I could control. And I got very good at it. And I began to like tweaking with, you know, my food and watching the scale just drop and drop and drop. And it was like an adrenaline rush or like just, it was uh, something just, I would get so happy when I would see, you know, the numbers drop on the scale. Like I had accomplished something. Um, I felt good about myself and that's whenever it began to become very, very unhealthy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I don't think it's an unnatural reaction to feel accomplished. Yeah. You know, I think that's, you feel rewarded because you did work so hard. But like you said, you began really taking control over that and being very, it sounds like obsessive about that particular thing. Oh, uh, most definitely. Now I want to say that there, if, if you need to lose weight and you're doing it for healthy reasons, um, so you can run longer uh, or you can run, you know, run a mile or, or feel better. And it's within a healthy range. I, I always recommend, you know, go to your primary care physician, doctor, whoever you go to and make sure it's healthy. Um, Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with wanting to lose weight, losing weight and feeling good for doing so. But you need to make sure it's within a healthy, reasonable way. Mine, it became something where I just, I didn't really care if I was healthy or not. I just wanted to be skinny and look a certain way. Um, And it didn't help at this time that, you know, I we didn't have a TV in our home and I hung out a lot at my grandmother's house, obviously because my home was just shaky. Um, I started watching something on my grandmother's TV called America's next top model. And I was obsessed with the show. 
And I remember looking at the girls that would on it. I was like, my body looks nothing like them. And they're so gorgeous and they're so pretty. And like, maybe if I am that skinny, I'll be pretty and I'll be acceptable and I'll be lovable. Because at that time, I did not feel like any of those things. Mm -hmm. Right. And for somebody like me who was brought up with TV, those kind of messages are on all the time. Yes. And it really just is sort of crazy to me just how that content, especially nowadays, is so easily acceptable and accessible than how it was back then. And even, like you said, even when you've been taught the right things and, and you have been guided in the right direction, sometimes we can still be led astray by one thing. Exactly. Just one temptation. And it's not to say that those shows are necessarily bad. However, it does depend on the heart of the viewer. And most of the time, whether you're in church or not, if you are a female, those shows are not healthy for us to really watch because we are always analyzing ourselves anyway. I do believe, and maybe a guy can jump on here and talk and talk about his, his point of view, but I do believe it is more difficult for us as females to um, see ourselves in the light that Christ wants to show us, if that makes sense. I think it's, it's very difficult for us to see ourselves the way God uh, sees us we are just so self-conscious about everything and, and we are physical people. Our bodies are changing. So I think that's something that we're so aware of anyway, that I can't even um, begin to just stress how we really need to take inventory of what we're watching and what we are putting in front of our eyes. Because if we have a weakness, um, then those kind of shows are going to kind of pull at that. Yes, I 100% agree. And not just TV shows anymore. It could be Instagram accounts that are being followed. Um, that Instagram is, it can be one, it can be a very good thing, but it can also be a very toxic thing. Um, and even now I haven't followed people that I used to follow for years. Um, because like if I, if I look at their content and it makes me feel a certain type of way, I know that they call it an Instagram feed for a reason. It's because you were feeding your eyes, your heart and your mind with, you know, what you were looking at. It eventually it's going to get into your heart. So you need to be careful with what you were looking at on Instagram. Um, so I'm very careful with who I follow. I don't really get on the search, like the navigation thing a whole lot because there's just all sorts of stuff to kind of get like caught up in and stuff. So I, I'm very careful on Instagram, um, even to this day, because it's, it's sort of a tender, weak spot for me. What the world defines as beautiful is not the same as what God defines as beautiful. Right. Amen. I really appreciate you saying that. And thank you for bringing up Instagram, because I think this is something that we can talk about just for a little bit, because it's okay to be inspired by people. And that's something that I hope to do with my page. And I know a lot of people that I have on here, you know, we all are active on it for the most part, but it's not, um, we don't owe anybody our follow. Does that yes. make sense? Like we don't, if you appreciate someone, that's great. But if they are posting something that may not necessarily be negative, but it's, but if it's making your heart feel uh, insecure in some way, or you start feeling kind of far from where God wants you to be, it's okay to unfollow. We shouldn't feel, I feel like sometimes we do feel like we have this loyalty to an account or to a person because we maybe know them or we appreciate them. Or like you said, you've been following them for a long time. But when it comes to the purity of your own heart, when it comes to what you are feeding yourself, that's yes. your responsibility. And I, I really am grateful that you brought that up. And I'm, I'm glad that you still put that into practice because that is not an easy thing to do. It's, it's not. Um... It's not, but sometimes you have to get a bit of a tough skin 
Um, and that's why I'm more private about it because there are apostolic accounts that I do not follow simply because I, mm -hmm. I don't want to ex not, I don't want to say that they're posting, you know, bad, they're not posting bad things, but it's just, there's something there that might trigger, um, a past feeling or reaction or something. And I, I don't mm -hmm. want to deal with that. Like while I am on Instagram, so I do not follow them. Now, do I go up to them and tell them I stopped following you on Instagram? No, mm -hmm. I keep that between me and God. Like that is my business. So, and, and I just think it's important. It's your social media account. So you do have the say, so you, like you said, you don't owe anybody a follow. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So walk me through your lowest point at this point you are having this relationship with food i know you started getting into a lot of fitness there was just an obsession about losing weight and being skinny not really about being healthy like you said and i want to just talk about or have you share how did god meet you during your lowest point first if you can tell us how you got to your lowest point and then what God did to help you. Yes. Um, so I, I developed what they call anorexia nervosa and that morphed into bulimia. And then that morphed into something called orthorexia, which is sort of a newer eating disorder. I don't think they've actually, um, they've officially made it an eating disorder, but it's like a newfound one that they are researching currently. And that's like the obsession with healthy foods. So during anorexia, that was when I began to like really, really control my food. Um, and I dropped a lot of weight. Um, you know, people eventually stopped giving me compliments and they started begging me to eat like a cheeseburger. Um, and I remember like my doctor at the time, he told me, it's like, if you don't stop, you are going to die. Like you were literally killing yourself. Mm. And at that time, in my mind, I was elated. Like I, that was probably to, at that time, that was a major compliment to me because I was like, I am finally so skinny. Like I have accomplished like this thing that I've always wanted to be. Um, I could die right now. And saying that is like, were you messed up in the head? And <laughs> I probably was a little bit like I, I was running on low fumes so that mm -hmm. can make you do and think all sorts of things. But that that's how far Satan took it. I gave him an inch and he took it miles and miles and miles. And I was just so deep into it that that's what my entire world revolved around. Um, and food was not a means of nourishment. It was a means of how can I lose weight on this? How little can I, you know, how little can I live off of? And I can tell you that looking back, I wasted years of my life because I was consistently from the time I woke up to the time I went to bed, fatigued, exhausted. If I got up too fast, I'd feel like I was going to pass out. Um, you know, if my friends wanted to go for like a walk or do some type of physical activity, it would take me just like. I couldn't even enjoy myself because I had to exert so much energy that I did not have. Um, and I consistently thought about food and that's actually like an effect of semi-starvation and starvation. There was a experiment done called the Minnesota starvation experiment where they tested on men and they put them like on very restricted uh, caloric intake and made them walk like a certain amount of miles per week. And they got down to like, skin and bones and they were they began to like study their uh, psych the psychological effects and they said that they completely stopped like all the regular activities of men and they would just like look at cookbooks mm -hmm. and want to cook and always talk about cooking and talk about food and for years that's all I did even though I didn't eat the food I would just like consistently like want to watch food network or um, mm -hmm. want to look at a cookbook, or I would just look up recipes, or just think about food and talk about food. Like I was fascinated with food, um, and it, that in itself became like it became like tormenting to me. Um, and when I got into college, I started getting into the gym, and that in itself, um, there's nothing wrong with exercising. <laughs> I still I work out, but not like I used to. Um, but 
my obsession kind of flipped from food. I still had restrictive, that restrictive side to food, but it was like a little bit less and it completely kind of swapped over to exercise. I began to like work out an insane amount. And if I didn't work out a certain amount, you know, every day, I would feel like a failure. I would restrict my food. And it was just like a horrible, just a yo-yo process. And even doing like, you know, those two hour grueling hit cardio, jogging, you know, on the treadmill, all those things, I still restricted my calories. Um, so it was, it wasn't a pretty picture. My health did suffer for it. I completely stopped menstruating as a woman. Um, I'd wake up in the middle of the night with like the worst cramps in my legs and I stayed sick all the time. Um, and still that did not stop me from, you know, exercising in that type of way. So I was literally running myself into the ground. Um, and it's, it just tormented me consistently. Like I would always just like count calories. You know, if I was trying to engage in a conversation with somebody at church or something or trying to focus in class, it, I wasn't there. I was trying to calculate how many macros of carbohydrates I had for breakfast. And if I could eat that, you know, piece of bread later for dinner or just scrap the bread altogether. Cause that was carbs. And if I ate carbs past a certain time, I'd get fat. Like it, it's just, all those thoughts were consistent, consistent yeah. in my mind. And I know like for some people like this, it's not like I was hooked on heroin. You know, I didn't, I didn't drink. It wasn't heroin. It wasn't drugs. It wasn't other things, but it, it controlled my life. It consumed me. I didn't have peace. I didn't have joy. I didn't have happiness. You know, that eating disorder and, um, and those ideas, those thoughts, those habits, they, they were, they dictated where I went, who I hung out with, how long I stayed for and and everything, whether it was going to church or, um, a youth activity or, you know, going to hang out with some friends or, you know, if it was Christmas day or Thanksgiving, like it really took over my life. Um, and it doesn't, and the devil doesn't need, you know, drugs or alcohol to do that. If he can just get you over one thing, he's fine. It's satisfied. And the thing is this, an eating disorder, it's not really talked about in the church and it's not really counted as like living beneath your means. Mm. Um, I don't want to call it a sin, but it's not really considered a burden. I don't really feel like it's much talked about in the apostolic church. Um, so it's hard to like find people that can really, really understand. But as far as like hitting my lowest point, that didn't happen till years later. Let's fast forward to like 11 years later from when I initially began um, restricting food. I got to the point where I was so anxious and so depressed. I was tormented. I was like in that place where I didn't want the eating disorder anymore, but I didn't know how to give it up. Like I lived with it for so long. I kind of got used to seeing in the dark and I didn't, I I wasn't comfortable with living outside of that or breaking outside of that. I really didn't know what to do. And I was, JC, I was so tormented. I was so depressed. I, I, I remember thinking, God, if you could just, if you can't take these thoughts, this anxiety away, just let me die, please. I, I can't do this anymore. Um, and I remember praying and, and praying. And there was one week where I had just taken some time just to pray extra. And I was at the church and I was praying and it was, I was, tired and and weary and I was just going to go home but I pressed through just a little bit longer and I had what we you know apostolics like to call a breakthrough and in that moment it was like for the first time in years it was just I had a clear focus and it was just me and God and I said God I want to live for you I want to love you truly more than anything you help me to do this please take this away from me and after that, I just had a peace. And I'm not going to say that things changed 180 overnight because they didn't. God allowed me to go through a healing process. Um, 
And in that process, I learned so much about him, about myself, and what real health looks like. Mm-hmm. Wow, I just can't even imagine that after 11 years, you had to come to the place to basically come to terms with what was going on and what was what was your normal. And like you said, yeah, not a lot of people have that breakthrough, but I am thankful that God met you at that altar. I'm so thankful that God met you at that moment because um, that obviously was the point that turned your life around. And we always talk about, um, you know, breakthroughs in the church and we talk about healings, but what a lot of people don't understand is you can still be healed and you can still have a breakthrough, but still struggle sometimes. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes, Mm -hmm. absolutely. That's like the definition of my entire recovery and recovery year was struggle year. Mm -hmm. I I had my breakthrough. I still prayed. I still worship, but I would lie if I said I did not struggle the entire time I struggled. And, and, but that's the thing is if God would have healed me, if he would have, you know, healed my body, but he had not healed my mind and my heart, he wouldn't have fixed the real issue at hand. And that's what recovery did. Recovery healed my mind and my heart. It changed my habits, my ways, the way I saw myself, my perspective. It taught me how to eat again, like eat. And I I know people might laugh at that. Like, what do you mean taught you how to eat your, you were, I was 24 at the time. Um, you should know how to eat by, by then, but no, it literally taught me what a reasonable amount of food looked like because for years I I did not eat breakfast because I was trying to do the intermittent fasting, nothing wrong with intermittent fasting if, if someone does that, but the way I was doing it was not right. Um, I was doing it solely so I, you know, could lose weight, which I, at the time I didn't need to, it was a control thing, but, um, I did not know what a normal amount of food looked like for a person of my age, my weight, height. I did not know. I literally had to relearn how to eat. Um, And my hunger hormones were very off balance. So I I wouldn't get hunger signals. So my body would be like, we need to eat right now, but I I wouldn't really be feeling hungry. Therefore, I wouldn't feel, you know, feed myself. Um, So I I relearned how to socialize, how to, I, that I, like my entire life changed. Everything changed. Um, I, it, it would take like a whole day to like try to explain it and stuff, but like my outlook on life, just everything changed completely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. I mean, it had to have, you know, it, it's, yes. <laughs> and thank God for that because the alternative would not have been uh, very pleasant for you. Um, no. But like you said, you know, a lot of people talk about being addicted to different substances and we don't, we really don't talk about, about relationships with food and anorexia in the church, but I'm so thankful that you were willing to share your story. And I wanted to know now that you are, you know, further along in your recovery, when you look back and see how you used to be and you feel victory now and you see a more positive future, what does that feel like for you? When I look back and I think about my right now, I look back and it's very bittersweet for me. Um, It's bitter because I see all the time that I wasted. That was about 12 years of my life that I, I went through that. And that's just time I can't get back. Um, I see the agony I brought myself into um, all the anxiety, the depression, um, the feelings of hopelessness, and the worthlessness, the self-torment I brought myself through um, simply because, you know, I, I didn't nourish my body. I didn't take care of myself. Um, and I rem- remember just always feeling tired and just trying to survive. I was not thriving, but it was every single day. It was just try to make it through the day. Mm-hmm. And that's no, that, you know, that was uh, my teenage years. I was supposed to be, you know, thriving, you know, going out, making memories, having fun, going to church events and camp meetings and meeting, meeting people, going places. And I didn't, I was only concerned with, you know, the number on the scale and how my clothes fit. 
Um, but the sweet part is that despite like seeing what I was back then, despite the fact that I was not doing right, I was not where I needed to be. God still loved me and he still took care of me. Um, and I, I want to give credit to my pastor for that one. Um, my pastor actually took over the church whenever at the age of 13, whenever everything went crazy, um, in my family. And from the moment he took the church and still to this day, and probably in the future, he really pushed prayer, like a daily prayer life. That is something that he like pushed and not in a pushy way, but just like telling people, you know, how important and vital it is. And for some reason at that stage, even though I was like questioning God and everything around me, for some odd reason, it stuck with me. And I was like, okay, if my pastor's doing it, then I'm going to do it. And it started with 10 minutes a day, but eventually it started working up to where I would do it every single day. It did not matter what happened. I would, if I had to wake up earlier, I woke up earlier. And like I said, 10 minutes a day and eventually it grew to more than that. But I believe that communication with God every single day, it made me vulnerable Mm -hmm. and it made me talk about things that were troubling me. And I know God heard me and he took care of me, but I, through the recovery process, and even now I trusted that God had me because I had that communication with God. And that just blows my mind that even though I was just, I was not doing right. I was not where I needed to be. He still heard me and he took care of me. Um, and that's just so, that's valuable to me. Um, and it's also another sweet thing is that learning that food is not the enemy, but I eat so much. Like I eat amounts of food I, I thought I would never be able to eat. And it doesn't really affect my weight in a negative way. Um, I, I, I'm thankful that I found out that bananas and peanut butter and carbs are not bad for you. They're not going to do bad things to you. Um, they're actually wonderful. And I, I pretty much eat all of them every, all day long, except for bananas. I, I try to limit it to one, one mm-hmm. banana a day, but that's like my, one of my favorite things is for so many years, like I, I had these foods that I refused. I was like afraid to eat. Um, and now they're like my favorite foods. That's so awesome to hear. And yes, amen. Food is very good. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I, I really do appreciate your vulnerability sharing that. And I love how your pastor really shared the importance of prayer. And it's something that you don't know the value of until you do it for yourself. Oh my gosh. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's so, it's not, it shouldn't be a task. It's a privilege to have a God that you know that you can go talk to and he will give you answers. They might not be in the time that you wanted them to be answered, but he is always on time. And he wants you to open up about, you know, these things in your life, things that upset you or things that are troubling you. He wants you to go to him about that. And that's something that I learned through this. And I, I too, I'm so grateful that my pastor really, you know, opened up with us about that and shared that and sort of, you know, wanted us to do that. Um, And it really, it helped me in the long run, those messages that he spoke and he gave the testimonies that he gave really truly helped me. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to give you just some time to speak to anyone listening right now who is struggling with their weight, maybe their self image, maybe they view themselves just in a very negative way and they're not feeling like they're worth anything. What would you tell that person? So, um, I, I definitely feel that, um, I've been there and I felt that way for predominantly most of my life. Um, and I think we, as young women, especially apostolic young women or any, any young woman listening or person listening to this podcast, um, we are subject to what the media gives us, what the world says, 
you know, we, to be beautiful, to be worthy, to be accepted, we must look a certain way or act a certain way. And that is not God's definition of beauty. It says in Psalms 139, 14, it says, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are their works and that my soul knoweth right well. And when I think of something that is fearfully and wonderfully made, I think that that's got to be a pretty awesome somebody. And that goes out for each of us. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's first knowing your identity in Christ. And that's why it's so important to be filled with the Holy Ghost, because when you're filled, that void is filled with his spirit and you, you begin to grow with God. If you nurture that relationship, if you talk with God, you will begin to grow and to prosper and to become more confident in who you are and who he made you to be. So really, I think that the, like a first step with, you know, feeling beautiful, not just in a term of like our appearance, but just whole as a person is that relationship with God. Mm. I can honestly say I feel more beautiful whenever I am closer to God. I am praying, I'm talking with him, but also confident in where he is leading me. I I feel just whole, complete, like just beaming from the inside. Like I I might look, you know, sick on the outside, but like on the inside, I just feel like just so, so happy. Um, And then, you know, of course there's physical aspects. Um, And I, I can say this, that, you know, if you're struggling you know, you need to be careful of what Instagram accounts, social media. I think there's TikTok now. Like you need to be careful with those accounts that you're following. If you look at that content and it makes you feel like less of a person, you really need to consider like to stop following that with them or, or just limiting. Like, I don't want to tell you need to go do this because it's to each his own but you really need to stop and think about what you're doing, what you're feeding yourself. Um, And then there's also things of taking care of your body physically. I can 100% say that no matter how small I got, no matter myself in a way that was good and nurturing, I never felt beautiful. It did not matter how small I got. It was not good enough. I did not feel beautiful. I did not feel pretty. I just think now that I'm taking care of myself um, and living in a way that is good and acceptable unto God. And that's something that I, I pray about is Lord, help me to live in a way, you know, whether it be spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, whatever it is, whatever facet of life it is, help me to do it in a way that is good and acceptable unto you. Um, and I believe he honors that prayer. And now that, you know, I'm enjoying the blessings that he has given me through friends, through family, um, that I feel beautiful. And that's something that just, it it might sound cheesy or something, but beauty is so much more than, than the way you look. It is like who you are, your character, your characteristics, the way God made and intended you to be whenever you were truly being that you feel whole and complete. And to me, that is beauty. Yes, I agree. And I love how you put that. I think that's just something that we all have to remind ourselves of. And I'm so thankful that you shared that with us and that you really took your time in answering that because I think how you worded it was exactly how it needed to be said. And even if we feel And those listening, even if you don't feel like you're struggling with your weight, we all have insecurities about who we are and about how we look. Everybody has something they can pick at themselves about, you know, physically. But I love your words there, Camber. And I'm so excited for people to be encouraged by you through your story. And I am praying that those listening will um, seek help if they need help. If you're if you are struggling with some of the things that you've heard Camber talk about, go to your pastor, go to a trusted, you know, youth pastor, an authority figure in life, a parent. Don't struggle with this alone because this is something that we have to really take seriously. And it's going to be difficult to talk about, but it's better to be accountable now and get the help that you need. 
Yes, thank you, JC, for actually adding that in. That is a very important thing. If if somebody is having these thoughts, these feelings, and having disordered eating or thoughts of it, please reach out to a parent, um, a pastor, pastor's wife, somebody that you can confide in, a counselor. Um, that's something I really wish I would have done. In hindsight, I really wish I would have done that. Well, I'm just so thankful that you've come so far and I'm thankful that our paths have crossed now and you were able to come on the podcast and really share your heart. Um, it was very vulnerable and very real, but it was so needed. And I'm so thankful for you and for your story. Um, can you just share with listeners if they wanted to follow you on Instagram or on social media where they can find you? <laughs> um yes my instagram account is not anything glorious or glamorous um but i do plan to start writing more posts about um uh, what you heard today was only like a five second snippet of the entire story mm -hmm. um i want to start sharing more about each stage of life um different areas topics of disordered eating as well as um that that whole lifestyle mindset mentality I don't want to get too much into it but you can follow me at camber that is c-a-m-b-e-r underscore ella um that's on instagram um facebook I mean <laughs> if you want to follow me there it's camber robertson um c-a-m-b-e-r-r-o-b-e-r-t-s-o-n um but yeah those are that's my social media accounts um and I would I mean, follow me for sure. I, I'm very sensitive to the type of things that I do post. So, but yes, thank you. <laughs> well, thank you, Camber, for being on. I really appreciate you. And I'm just so thankful for your heart and your story and for being vulnerable and open with us today. Yes. Thank you, JC, for having me. This was, um, I needed to do this. This, um, this helped me and I hope it does help somebody that is listening. But um, I thank you for this podcast. This is like a gem. I, I love listening to it. Um, thank you so much for having me on there. This is, was great. If you found this episode inspiring or helpful, would you take a screenshot of it and share it on your Instagram stories? Tagging me at Hello Awesome Ministries. It will encourage me that you were blessed. Also, don't forget to leave a review and subscribe so you can tune into future episodes. To learn more about Hello Awesome, head to helloawesomeministries.com. Until next time, keep your chin up, beautiful.